0: you know the joke going around when this was announced is that like this proves that Adam Gase is more dangerous to your career or more difficult to overcome than an ACL tear.
1: Hello and welcome to all four quarters your one-stop shop for news views and overreactions to all things NFL Super Bowls just happened and it's uh, gone rather nicely for me so we'll talk about that and lots of other stuff so hey we got Connor here and we got Ronan hello a combo of recovery mode celebration mode and uh catching up on sleep and work post the Super Bowl uh, celebration so we had a uh, Lots of fun over here in Iraq, uh, lots of cheering. And I must say as well, congratulations uh, to the founder of Arrowheads Broad, who uh, featured on this once upon a time, Tom Childs, who uh, was over for the Super Bowl and managed to win himself two tickets to the Super Bowl and got to be there in attendance for the Chiefs win. You lucky bastard, couldn't have happened to
0: a better fan. <laughs> 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 uh, that's... That's impressive. And you, you stuck over the rack, you know, it's like those flights, maybe, maybe if I had taken the flights, maybe I would
1: have been. <laughs> just, maybe, just maybe. Um, so I suppose before we dig into the, the big chunk of today, which is going to be kind of going through the, the Super Bowl outcome, we'll do a couple of bits of news from around the world. So obviously before the Super Bowl kicked off, they gave out the end of year awards. So, um, we'll fly through these fairly quickly. Uh, MVP was Lamar Jackson. This, like, to be honest, it seems to make sense. He was a very electric player this year. Did great stuff on the ground, through the air. Uh, his his atrocious performance in the Pro Bowl Skill Challenge, uh, notwithstanding, he was the best player in the regular season.
0: Yeah, like his performances, particularly down the stretch, were just amazing. And like they they will probably be forgotten in the midst of time, um, unless he obviously oh, unless he keeps going at that at that level. Because he did he did think in the in the playoffs. Really, he did get exposed to a certain extent by the Titans. So yeah like I think they might need to see keep iterating and keep getting up to being uh, like uh, having the skills of a, the top level quarterbacks in the league, but his unique talent set is likely to keep entertaining for many years to come and this year he was definitely the most valuable and most exciting player to watch.
1: So probably well deserved there. Uh, offensive player of the year, also normally just the you know not a quarterback who is very good on offense kind of player. Um, Michael Thomas, well, well, well deserved. I think he like he broke the record for the most catches in week sixteen, wasn't it? Set, <laughs> set the record then at a level that was going to be you know very. It's going to be very difficult for anyone to to try and beat that. Let's be honest, incredibly productive, particularly for like a guy who's not maybe you know in the modern day, not like the the most traditional kind of number one image that you'd have in your head. Like you'd think of a Julio or you'd think of a of a couple of people like that rather than than Thomas. But he's just very good, very good technical, very good root runner, good at finding the space and the connection that him and Breeze have mean that, you know, he's he's a guy who could come back and, and, and do something similar next year if the rumors of Breeze's retirement are not true. He
0: just provides that kind of Chris Brew running that's great for like a, a veteran quarterback like Drew Brees who has such a great understanding of the game and he can just get those passes into any type of window and Michael Thomas brings it down. He's just got great hands, great right running. He's just yeah, like he maybe doesn't do the super spectacular catches that you get from a Julio Jones or a Megatron back in the day, but if you want someone to build your team around, to basically do the kind of things I suppose we used to consider running backs to be to get those five, ten yard chunks and get the offense going and getting its first downs. Then Michael Thomas has been the perfect player in that situation. Uh, I suppose the fact that he's been so amazing, and, and obviously uh, with uh, Lamar Jackson having such a great year as well, someone like Christian McCaffrey who had like over a thousand, a thousand of yards catching and uh, running ends up not getting any awards in the season. The, yeah, it's the, the, crazy. The isn't best it? best fantasy player award, which is like a funny money reward, basically. Mm-hmm. Two
1: thousand four hundred all-purpose yards and nineteen or twenty touchdowns, like and <laughs> not a sniff.
0: In many years, that would be enough to get the MVP, I and mean, then this mm-hmm. year he gets nothing. Um, but just so, just a shout out to Christian McCaffrey. He he had an amazing year. He just had a, a record-breaking wide receiver and a you know game-changing quarterback. Uh, happened to steal his thunder this year.
1: No, of course, uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, this went to Stephon Gilmore, kind of for the. Uh, for the New England Patriots. This was it's it's an interesting one. So he, he definitely did play well, but as I think we saw, particularly in the back half of the season, even though he was playing well, this was a defence whose stats were flattered by this the alley of, you know, tomato cans that they played for the first twelve weeks of the season. Like when you look at Some of our suggestions throughout the year, which were the likes of like Mika Patrick, you even had like TJ Watt and people like that who who were coming into the conversation. I think Gilmore played well, but I don't think this was a clear winner in this category.
0: Yeah, like I think maybe someone like Aaron Donald suffers from comparison to, well, himself in previous years uh JJ Watt, he you know, he still hasn't put a full year of healthy behind him. And like when you look at the sack leaders this year, they were like Chandler Jones and Shaq Barrett. So if you're talking about pure defensive ends, the guys, like they're good sack artists as we've talked about before, but they're not perhaps the comprehensive kind of players we've seen previously. Like Chandler Jones, yeah. maybe there's a shy for him, but I think his reputation as being someone who goes off script probably played against him where like in reality I think Stefan Gilmer kind of gets this as the Group It's almost like the group achievement award. It's like the New England Patriots defense for the vast majority of the season was the best defense in the league and was doing things that were very special. And therefore, Stephen Gilmore is kind of the the paragon of that because a lot of those players aren't really that exciting. They don't really get the heart pit going. Stephen Gilmore was the one that people latched onto. And he is an incredibly effective corner. And uh, New England will no doubt uh, get many good performances out for years to come. We have a couple
1: of the rookie awards now, so uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think you called this at the midseason going to Kyler Murray and that offense in Arizona, which did look a lot more exciting in the back half of the year. They've got some promise there, although I think we mentioned beforehand how it's ever so slightly questionable about the coaching maybe there, if it's up to NFL standards or if they might need to look at potentially making a change with that. But um yeah, like he played well, but he was like, it wasn't, it wasn't, Again, didn't blow me away. Like, I would have actually been looking at the likes of Josh Jacobs instead for this award. Like, if it hadn't been maybe for the, for the injury slowing him down the last two weeks, Jacobs could have been up there. Like, he was averaging nearly five yards a carry, was over a thousand yards on the ground, nearly 200 receiving, like, a couple of touchdowns was, was a great little pickup for them. But, um, I suppose, if there's a quarterback who performs well, it's often going to go to them. I'm just not. I'm not entirely convinced that Kyler Murray was the best offensive player, and yes. or offensive rookie.
0: Yeah, I, I think Josh Jacobs probably, if he'd stayed healthy, could have got this. I think people were going in that direction, and then the other rookie running backs at the time, like David Montgomery, Miles mm. Sanders, Devin Singletary. They all had moments where they were pretty good. They all had some solid production at times, and and should be good players going forward. But none of them had a. A full season of production so as I kind of as I kind of speculated I wasn't really that sure in Kyler Murray and there's certainly parts of his game he'll need to improve but I think we saw some improvement as the year went on I think it's more he's a, he's a quarterback he's a brand name that they're hoping to create you know, be a franchise quarterback going forward and therefore unless one of these rookie running backs can have a whole season of to putting together an elite level play like Saquon Barkley did then um, they'll end up plumping for the quarterback and that's what ended up happening in this case yeah, on the
1: defensive side, I think it was a little bit more clear cut. Although there are, there are other players who are making case for it. It was won by Nick Bosa, who, uh, we saw had an excellent performance in the Super Bowl as well. I think we both had him going forward from, from, from early on in the season. But yeah, like, Dominic on that line probably has his stats flattered by the fact that he's sitting in a rotation with, what, five, six first round picks in there and is allowed to kind of pin the ears back a little bit more on a rotational basis. But, uh, like, Top top tier talent, like, was dominating from the get go. Very impressive pickup and a great rookie season from him.
0: Yeah, like he is helped by the situation he, he fell into where he was around a lot of talented players. But the reality is, is that up until this year, many of those players had underperformed their, you know, their draft standard or where we expected to be, and this year they bring in a Boza brother and he starts wrecking shop and I think most people in in the know seem to already consider him to be a leader in that locker room among those guys like Armstead and D Ford, etc. So, you know, I think the Boza brothers, like Bozas, they just, they get in there, they know the game so well, they're expert technicians and they maximize every iota of their talent and of their profit line. Uh, that's a slightly different thing. <laughs> and I think, yeah, given his performance, I think it's fair enough that Nick Boza ended up getting this one. The name brand certainly helped, to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely did. Uh, comeback player of the year. This one's an interesting one. Ryan Tannehill, who undeniably had probably the best stretch in the season. Like that, that playoff run that they had was brilliant, very surprising. But we kind of like, we, we've been talking about it since about week seven or eight that like, oh, this team looks very different with him under center versus where they were beforehand. The thing is, it, it it it's also going to have that slight asterisk behind, beside it. It's almost like the, the the two games that Jimmy G played before the Super Bowl, where, you know, he had a great run. They made it all the way to the championship game, but like it wasn't on his shoulders that they got there at the tail end. It was maybe kind of weeks ten to thirteen when they were figuring themselves out. But um, it was a lovely run, and I suppose it's nice to finally have payoff for every year when everyone said, "Oh, this." in Miami said this is going to be his breakout year you know Tannehill is really the guy this time around and as soon as he got out of there he was uh, finally able to unleash what he could finally become Um shouts obviously for this one were going out to players like Jimmy Garoppolo who obviously was in the Super Bowl or Earl Thomas who was coming back and played to a pretty high standard
0: it's mostly narrative driven like I think you know, having the comeback mid season does have a bit more, I suppose, juice to it than mm. you know, you worked in the offseason, end up roughly where you were beforehand or, or maybe slightly better. Like I think, you know, the joke going around when this was announced is that like this proves that Adam Gase is more dangerous to your career or more difficult to overcome than an ACL tear these days. <laughs> And so Ryan Tannehill gets it. But yeah, I think, like, to, be fair, to be fair, Ryan Tannehill's statistics were very impressive. His efficiency was very impressive. Definitely helped by the fact Eric Henry, the offense was designed around play action. But uh, And the people like Brown uh, doing the work for him. But, you know, fair play to him. He's, he's got himself now probably a starting quarterback position. And, you know, having come from being cut by the Dolphins, the, well, one of the worst teams in the league to be in that situation, it's, it's fair play to him. And, like, I think Jimmy G maybe objectively... You could say has had a bigger comeback, but uh, yeah, the narrative just feels a bit more interesting coming from Ryan Tannehill's perspective.
1: Uh, this is one actually, This is one that came in as a question from one of the listeners, but uh, so we'll, we'll put it in here or when we're looking at it. If you are the Tennessee Titans, do you stick with Ryan Tannehill next year and presumably try and re-sign Derrick Henry, slash tag Derrick Henry for the year, pay Ryan Tannehill a three-year... Like maybe not quite her cousin's level guarantee, but like take a right. We'll take a two-year window and start building at this kind of thing. Or are you kind of going? That was a good run. Imagine what we could have done if it wasn't Ryan Tannehill under center. Imagine if it was. Like yeah, you we know, we we'll talk about the, the possibilities in the off season. But like, would you stick with Ryan Tannehill, or would you would you take a take a swing for the fence?
0: Well, look like like you can argue that like you know Tannehill was helped by the system, and that's true. But Mariota was in the same system and was incredibly ineffective. Um, because well, Mariota's been I mean, terrible for years. Yeah, but like Mariota <laughs> is he, he's conservative, he's he's too safe, and so you wouldn't put someone like say Derek Carr in that system probably because he would be too too conservative and safe too. So you're probably looking at Ryan Tannehill. That's someone who like he's a former wide receiver and like he only played in college a bit. So I think you have. He's a bit more malleable in certain respects, and he's more willing to take risks. I think, yes, if the price that he's demanding is too high, like you, you need to show that you're willing to leave it and see what he can get out in the open market. But I, I think like there aren't that many positions really available in the NFL right now for starting quarterbacks. So I imagine that they can strike a deal that both sides can more or less be happy with.
1: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Coach of the Year went to John Harbaugh. I think you saw this coming a mile off. There was a mid-season shout that you had for 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 Peyton, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, but like like it's hard to believe that mid-season last year, well obviously just before they brought Lamar in, there was talk of John Harbaugh leaving the Ravens. And I said at the time, this is ridiculous. Why would you ever let one of these great coaches go? And since they put Lamar in and they've had this revolution, it's been up and up and up for them. And so obviously, there's hoping, uh, you know, after that great regular season, that they could just figure out the the few kinks in the playoffs and. And get to the Super Bowl and win one. But uh, yeah, John Harbaugh, you know, I think there's a big thing, the whole Belichick thing, you know, don't tell me what you can't do, tell me what you can do and we'll make sure to maximize it. And John Harbaugh, who's a former special teams coach and all that kind of stuff, um, has shown over the last year and a half that capacity to evolve and revolutionize his own g- game plan. To take advantage of the talents that exist on his team. Obviously,
1: at this event as well, they have the Hall of Fame class introduced. So we have safety Steve Atwater, wide receiver Isaac Bruce, guard Steve Hutchinson, running back Edgerrin James, and safety Troy Polamalu coming in. A fairly solid class all round.
0: No, nothing you can really disagree with. Like Steve Hutchinson for Seahawks fans is, is a bit of a is a bit of a, a sore point because of his poison pill back in the day contract. Uh, but like to be fair, like his statistics and his results are without uh, any dispute. Mm-hmm. Edger and James finally get in. Isaac Bruce finally get in. They've probably been winning a little bit longer, maybe than they would have in previous eras. And then obviously Troy Polamalu, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's obviously yeah. someone who you know defined his position, changed his position. Troy Polamalu is so
1: famous that he's still doing head and shoulders yeah. commercials <laughs> with current superstars. Like that is how well known
0: he is. So, so the um, snap count snap, uh, sacks where he just like time it perfectly and jump over the line and sack you immediately like yeah, that's the kind nice. of iconic plays that you just you know like like it will be hard to replicate even today
1: no so of course and uh, a couple of other bits around the league not a wild pile of movement at the moment because we kind of we normally have about a week or two of a few bits settling and then everything starts to move again into uh you know, the the combine and the preparing for the draft stuff. Cleveland have signed Joe Woods, San Francisco's defensive backs coach, as their defensive coordinator. Obviously looking to get a little bit of the rub of, you know, that was a very good defense in San Francisco this year. They got a lot of success out of running that kind of three high zone system that they were doing. Yeah, like, you know, it it, it makes sense. I'm not sure if Joe Woods was the strength behind that or the mastermind behind that, uh, but... He can bring some of that to Cleveland, hopefully.
0: Yeah, so so obviously uh, he apparently has some links with Stefanski back from from Minnesota days, uh, earlier Minnesota days. So uh, there's a prior relationship there with the head coach, and uh, yeah, like he he's done a good job as far as you can tell. Like the secondary probably isn't the strength of that team in terms of talent, but they seem to hold up most of it. albeit maybe not in the Super Bowl, but. Uh, like, look, uh, it's also interesting, like, the rumors of the person who replaced them in San Francisco is Chris Richard, um, the former Seahawks defensive coordinator and Dallas kind of dense defensive special assistant, basically defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big name probably going to San Francisco, so they shouldn't miss it too much. And yeah, in Cleveland, they obviously, uh, as usual, these things kind of come along a lot to knowing prior relationships, kind of putting people that you trust together. And then if seeing if they can perform at the level of a coordinator. And obviously if they don't, then you might bring in a more veteran player eventually. But, you know, Cleveland, in theory, should be building for the long term. Um, So hopefully this guy can get them going after uh, kind of getting some young talent up to scratch uh, this season.
1: Other bits of news that we have from around the league. The Jaguars have announced that they're going to have two back-to-back home games in London this year. They haven't confirmed who the opponents will be, but they've said that it's not going to be the Bears game or the Steelers game, because obviously those are ones that they sell tickets well at home for, so they want to keep them. Uh, i got to imagine it like with two games going out and two already covered off, that we're going to have at least one of these is going to be an in-division game. But beyond that, we don't really have anything else to go on. The other thing that was not announced but accidentally said and, and swiftly confirmed to not be for definite was that uh, Arthur Blank during the I think the day before the Super Bowl uh said to a reporter oh, I'm looking forward to our trip to London this year and then they said what trip to London he basically went shit I shouldn't have said that <laughs> <laughs> I really shouldn't have said that um it's too hot <laughs> it's too hot today um well yeah, so two back to back games in London, which would be very interesting because they're obviously trying to test out the idea of like having teams play multiple games there, multiple home games there. There's a lot of talk about the possibility of either being just eight games being played there randomly, or, you know, this is this is the kind of the test for things like, Could you play two home games over here or three home games in here and see that you're a bit more rested for your second game that they could still have a competitive advantage and use it as a home base in kind of legs or whatever. But um, the, the pity is just that, let's be honest, the Jags don't, it's almost like, you know, two years ago it didn't happen. The Jags just don't inspire that much excitement to go and see in my mind
0: no uh, they're not a very exciting game but i there are there are reports uh, like uh, i haven't i haven't been in london enough to really say it but there are reports that there is a there is a growing set of people coming new to the nfl who do consider themselves the, to be jaguars fans by default because that's the london team uh, and there's mm. guaranteed to be one game a year in london and so like personally as, as 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 a neutral as as a fan of a different team it's not yeah very inspiring to me but Look, this experiment's gonna continue and we can only hope that you know some of the other games might be a bit more exciting to compensate in this case. And uh, the
1: other news is tight end Vernon Davis has retired. Uh he's had a long storied career. Not as productive or that visible the last maybe two or three years of it, but you know, solid, solid job. Uh it's it's always an odd time to announce your retirement because it's always just gonna get lost in the like the news about post Super Bowl XYZ, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like, it's it's just one of those situations, I assume, where it's kind of like, all right, I'm officially done, and, you know, it might get caught up. I suppose since the kind of NFL media is going to go into hibernation for a couple of weeks before the frenzy over free agency and all that kind of trading happens, I suppose it's the best time to just get it over and done with and just kind of have that emotional moment. I don't know how many people are waiting for the emotion of Vernon Davis to retire, but, you know, he had a decent career. He's been around in places like San Francisco and the Bazungu so... You know, he's always been a solid player, but perhaps never really broke through to being a superstar. And
1: yeah, there's also a report doing the rounds as well, seeing as we're about to move on to the Super Bowl coverage about Sammy Watkins post-Super Bowl says he might need a bit of time off. So there's rumors swirling beforehand that either he might take a massive pay cut to stay with the Chiefs after the season, because basically he's, he's due a lot of money and they can cut him and save a lot of that money uh, with not as much dead cap. So he's gone if he didn't renegotiate. And then there was also talk about him possibly retiring afterwards. And there's now a statement from him doing the round saying that, uh, he might take some time off to, uh, get his mental health right and to, 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 to check how he's getting on there. So, uh, as I say, the man who believes he is literally part of a re- reptilian super race of humans, maybe it's time to just have a quick check of the head there. You
0: know, he, he has been a, an up and down player since he came into the league and, and obviously these issues might give some context to that but uh, look if he can get right if he can get on the right path then there's no doubt that at his best he is an incredibly talented player and I think we all want to see those type of players on the field doing their oh, yeah. thing uh, whether that's with the Chiefs or not is probably probably not to be honest given the Mahomes contract is probably upcoming mm-hmm. but uh, good luck to him in terms of trying to get back on track and, and hoping oh, uh, and... back in the field.
1: Yeah, and as as we said, he's done a, he's done himself a good job this year again with the uh he did very little throughout the season, but then put on a nice little show in that in that uh in 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 the postseason run to make someone kinda go, Ooh, that could be uh that could be nice. Yeah, so so good stuff. Uh so I suppose we'll move on to the big news from this week. The reaction to the Pro Bowl. Or rather actually the, the, the follow up to the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl. Okay. So Kansas City at San Francisco ended 31 to 20. Uh, it was very, very exciting game. Not as much fireworks as people were expecting as both defenses kind of played pretty good in the first half. Kansas City obviously went into the fourth quarter with a 10 point deficit and threw an interception that looked to be ending the game. But then we had a little bit of a fight back. The defense came up big and the offense decided to start getting it going. San Francisco defense was doing a fantastic job throughout. Their rotation on the on the front line was just killing the Chiefs' offensive line. They weren't putting in. There was most of the talk in the week build up was would the Chiefs start putting in defensive backs to just chip and block because they don't normally do that. And they eh, they tried it a bit, but for the most part they left it be. Chiefs did a couple of very weird things. I'm sure we'll talk about them in depth, like the. Let's get everyone to pirouette and do dance moves in the backfield to confuse and scare the <laughs> other team. And then, uh, yeah, just a couple of like really nice play designs here. They got a lot more. If, if going into this game, if you had told me that it would be the Chiefs that would have a hundred yard rusher and not San Francisco, I would have laughed in your face. But hey, this is, this is what happens. And then on top of all this, we have a game that, you know, it says you should be salted away nine minutes to go up by 10. Your defense just intercepts the ball, but questionable clock management from Shanahan at the end of the first and yeah. particularly in that fourth quarter. And to a certain extent, and we can talk about this because I'm, I keep seesawing the play calling in that last eight minutes from Shanahan. Some of it confused the living shit out of me. So where do you want to start? Do you want to just have a look at how the teams lined up or we kick off at the first half of what we saw in that or yeah, how do you feel?
0: Well let's let's start chronologically and kind of because the, the, the things kinda of weave in and out because like you know, like you start with the first drive and like KC go three and out. Um they have a good run and then the, the they have two short failed passes to Damien Williams. Um and like it's interesting because Damian Williams gets the first touch of the play and he gets seven yards. And I think one of the under, I suppose, undersold parts of this game was that Damian Williams was a really effective chain mover for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so he was coming in and doing his job really well. Because obviously there's a lot of talk about the, before the game, about the San Francisco running game. And fair play, like the San Francisco running game was very, very effective in the first half in particular. And it was very, very innovative. Like we saw a lot of these sweep plays, the Debo Samuel, that would set up their field goal on their first drive. Um, and the Chiefs just kind of seemed to struggle a little bit early on to kind of adjust. and then I think they over time they they got clamped down in it. Mm. but it was widening them out and probably leaving them a bit more uh, vulnerable to those kind of uh, intermediate seam type routes because yeah. the the defense was playing. so wide at that point?
1: It's interesting you mention that because like when I'm, I'm I'm just looking back over my play sheet here. so like, they literally go Damian Williams for seven yards, pass to Damian Williams incomplete, pass to Damian Williams incomplete. Yeah. So they just really wanted to get him going. And then we also we almost had the first big surprise play of the game at that point as well of the yeah. near muffed punt on the uh, on the opening possession for for the San Francisco 49ers. That was that was inches away from being a huge mistake.
0: Yeah, like like. Uh, it could have been a huge turning point at that point. Like obviously given what happened afterwards, it ended up being relatively uh, unimportant. But, you know, like when San Francisco got the ball back, they didn't panic thankfully and they and they kind of pushed through it. And yeah, as I said, like those Debo Samuel, like they, those sweeps were really having a, a hurt on the side. I think when when the run game went out wide uh, on those kind of prepared runs, they were getting good blocking on the defensive backs of Kansas City and they were getting a lot of success in that right into the fourth quarter, but basically they had to give it the run uh, after, uh, uh, when they went away from it, it went to more kind of I suppose, boring inside runs. Um, But of course, I think one of the problems for the, the, the 49ers is that, you know, they have all these solid plays. They have this great performance from their running backs. They have these innovative sweep plays. But when it gets down to the red zone, they were having some issues like all night. I think they never really looked fully comfortable already to kind of like take it to the Chiefs in the red zone at times and they kind of like they got in enough to, to do it to be ahead by 2010 in the third quarters we'll talk about but uh, i just kind of felt they always they always needed to be perfect to keep the thing going um to keep getting those chunk plays because uh, every time they went behind the six when it turned into a third and long uh, or, or, or similar situation and of course this obviously be very important at the end in those situations they never looked quite comfortable i think as we said beforehand if the chiefs when the Chiefs got that big play or that stop and forced them into uncomfortable situations, like Jimmy Garoppolo didn't look completely comfortable, and they could get stops in the situations, and so proved mm-hmm. early on when they held San Francisco to three points in the in in that first drive. Yeah,
1: and to be honest, that was that was one of the things we said going into it was going to be interesting. Was that they like the Chiefs' defense, particularly in the run game, gave up a lot of yards, but they stiffened up in the red zone remarkably. And I think it's probably you know we we mentioned their weakness is probably like. Pass coverage linebacking. They were able to set the edge fine, but whenever it got out wide, the guys didn't have the speed to get out to them. And as soon as you were able to shorten that field and actually keep some of the, some of the cornerbacks down and allow the safeties to play a little bit more rangy in the middle, like it was just, it was very difficult for San Francisco to 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 really get anything going and you could see like even though it wasn't really until much later on that they started to pin the years back the chiefs defense were getting there and harassing and like like chris Jones' hands were getting up in the way of passing mm. lanes and like even things like the 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 penalty that gave them the 5 yards on that first drive in the red zone was Passanio coming over moving too early like Passanio going in at that spot is a bit surprising until you go oh do you know what it is they know that he's going to have to pass. They know he's going to have to do about eight or nine yards. Passing is nearly seven foot tall. Let's just get him in a passing lane because he's not going to get to him, but he can cause enough of a disruption to push him away from that side of the field. So I think a lot of it was funneling rather than stopping.
0: Yeah. And uh, so you're like, 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 like in that early stages, you're probably looking at this game and you're going, Oh, this is, this is going badly. Like three and out and uh, San Francisco put together a long, lo- a long drive. Uh, and of course, like, look, the, you kept in the three. That's great, but you're just a little bit worried. But then, like, we saw probably the not a Chiefs like occasion <laughs> happen, which is like a seven minute, like, drive from the Chiefs. No play over, I think, like 14 yeah. yards or so. was so play, 75
1: yeah. yards, seven and a half minutes, the opposite yeah. of how we played all season.
0: Uh, and like, on paper, it's very, very unchiefs-like. Like, let's, let's be honest. And to be honest, a lot of the plays were very unchiefs-like. And as I said, Damien Williams was really clutch on third down here and elsewhere in this game. You had so many short yard situations uh, where he was given the ball, he got the job done, and it was, it was, I think having that was so important for the way this game Went making sure the Chiefs stayed in the game later on. And there was also
1: there was it was here as well, in this first quarter, when Andy Reid laid down his first marker in the game, which was fourth and one at the San Francisco five. He decides to dial up a weird pirouette direct snap to Damian Williams to go up the middle for four yards. He did not come to fucking play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, no, we're going to go deep. We're going to run 1940s single wing concepts. We're going to run pirouetting direct snaps to running backs. We're going to run designed run RPOs to Pat Mahomes, even though he's already taken three hits. like.
0: And on the touchdown, I believe it's the touchdown where he he, he had like a fake pitch to kind of like get the the, the the run, Patrick Holmes, at the end. So like we have this whole, and it was actually, it wasn't just for this like touchdown. It was like throughout the game, there were numerous plays where Patrick Holmes had the pitch option or the, like was faking the pitch at certain points. And it, it, like it, like the level of innovation that Andy Reid was doing, especially in the red zone, was you know, very, very, very impressive. But even given that, you could tell that the San Francisco defense was also really, really good because a lot of these plays, Patrick Mahomes was having to run. He was having to use all of his special things. Like he got absolutely, uh, smashed, um, on the fumble that preceded that four and one, um, because he, he had to get out of the pocket. And like, like Pat Mahomes was, I uh, like we'll, we'll talk about this, I suppose at the end when, when he made the comeback. But yes, Pat Mahomes, Yes, he made mistakes. He had two interceptions in this game, but the amount of work and the amount of effort and the amount of special he was having to do to just keep these drives going, especially Mm. this most impressive seven minute drive, um, that's so on Chiefs like, um, was, you know, is a testament to the type of talent he has. Like the San Francisco 49ers were rattling him. No doubt about that. But the fact that he still kept performing and kept getting them going at least enough to keep them competitive throughout this game. Was was very impressive in my eyes.
1: Yeah, and and this is the thing that I do. do you think we need to stress here as well? Is it? Like while we're discussing, like oh, and they made it down the field and that kind of stuff. This was with constant pressure. As good as the Chiefs' line had been at pass blocking, and was havoc particularly in the third quarter. Like uh, this defensive line from San Francisco was causing havoc. Bosa was getting past Eric Fisher or across the the the, the inside guard. Pretty much every second snap, and they were constantly running to the right, hiding in behind Mitch Schwartz because that's the stronger side of the line. But the speed these guys had—like, they I, I'd love to see yeah. just the metrics on, like, how far just east-west did Pat Mahomes have to move around yeah.
0: just to like keep the pockets
1: open yeah. for three but
0: seconds? That that also says that like his big leap this year has been his pocket awareness, his ability to kind of feel the pressure. But not just kind of take that like and then move away from the pressure in the way that needs to be done has been really impressive. And when you compare that to Jimmy Garoppolo, because, uh, you know, we got to the end of the first quarter. There was a couple of plays for San Francisco after that touchdown. But we got to the, to the second quarter and then very quickly, the second play, the second quarter, Jimmy G throws an interception where he basically made a huge mistake. He had pressure right up in his face. He was getting hit and he just threw it up, trying to get to the sideline. And it was an easy pick off for Prashad Breland. Yeah. Like, it was just a stupid mistake from Jimmy G. Like, like you have to be a bit worried for, cause he obviously has a lot of money and he is going to be the quarterback in San Francisco that, you know, he just in these playoffs, he has shown a proclivity to just make a couple of dumb, dumb mistakes per game. And in these tight margin games, when you're playing players like Patrick Mahomes, you, you just can't afford that. Even if they did end up leading um, by the end of the third quarter, that, this could have been the kind of way they could have got ahead quicker. Because you know that if San to go had got even further ahead then, you know, the, the Chiefs job I wouldn't have got away from Patrick Mahomes, but the running game uh, being, would have got be more effective for longer.
1: So the Chiefs take over after the interception and they start to drive down. And again, not a very Chiefs-like drive. Nine plays, 43 yards, nearly five minutes off the clock. A lot, again, of Damian Williams, a lot of short passes over the middle and stuff like that. And I think this is probably a reflection of the them trying to figure out what they're going to do with this revolving kind of three high that the guys are putting against them. The speed and the range that the linebackers had that they were facing, like, they were struggling to find... Where exactly they were going to find the little spots to get you know the ball out to, to 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 some of the some of the playmakers like i said like you don't see a big deep pass here at all full stop like it's again what that's the longest one here like 19 yeah. yards to
0: sammy watkins something like that maybe i think they respected the 49ers as well so i think Similar to to a game like say the Titans and the New England uh, and the New England Patriots, I think both teams respected each other and were willing to kind of you know, what take what was given rather than try and play their own game. And I think that you know Andy Reid uh, deserves a bit of credit for kind of doing that. And, and like yes, it ended up getting in trouble in the third quarter, but I think it was ultimately the right thing to do for most of this case. Because I think Mm -hmm. at some point, even if they hadn't gone down in the third quarter, they probably would have started unleashing the cannons later on. um, Mm It just happened to be that they really needed them in that case. So I think, you know, fair play to 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 the Chiefs. They've put together a decent offensive performance in the first half despite all the pressure they were under.
1: No, of course, and like I said, I think this was this was the game plan. Kind of like, well, we'll we'll do this, and we'll you know. This won't be what they'll expect from from the Chiefs, so then we'll put them a little bit off their game, but we'll see what their kind of shell looks are like and see what they're giving us. The problem is, like we said going into it, if you start to settle for field goals, these are both teams that can start to get up on you rather quickly. So they get stopped by the defense, they get the field goal, it's now 10-3, to 3, everything's looking great, they kick off and all of a sudden I start to sweat profusely. Because... Yeah. The San Francisco 49ers come out and they just start to get going. They get, because they've got a lovely rhythm offense there that they can keep you on the field they can rotate in a back and they can go, okay, now this back's going to go for nine yards. Now this guy's going to go for 16 yards. This is 11 yards. Oh, we're going to do a sweep with Debo Samuel instead of any of the running backs. They're all decoys. We're going to pass one to the tight end. And then actually he's going to do a move, draw your linebacker off, and he's going to lead block for our fucking fullback or something like that. Yeah. It's just... So like the, I think it goes 13 yards, one yard, nine yards, 16 yards, 11 yards, 17 yards. And I'm just going... Fuck, this is gonna either start at the high scoring thing or our defense needs to step up. Um, but yeah, Kyle Yuschek, uh, touchdown. Lovely to see a bit of a, bit of a fullback touchdown. And I think it's the, it, is it the first fullback touchdown of the the, the millennium? Maybe at this uh,
0: point. Yeah, I think so. It's been many many years. I'm like, yeah, as yeah. you say, this was a this is. A, I think we don't need to talk about this too much because this is basically a prototypical San Francisco trammeling touchdown that they've done all year when they've been running over teams and they've been beating them comprehensively. And I think, yeah, you, you had reason to be worried at this point because if this like the first uh, drive where they got the the field goal was was kind of close to this, but to see it get up and running and kind of gathering steam uh especially just given the uncertainty that was being generated i think due to all those kind of sweeps and going wide and great blocking out there it was just really stretching at the defense and forcing it to move fast and you could see how many times like tyron and matthew and Brashaw breeland were doing the tackles kind of gives you an indication of like where these plays were happening and how deep they were getting into that defense
1: so then the chiefs come back uh seven plays 30 yards just again just can't get a huge amount of anything going here the defense are stopping them well. Like, you know, you get a couple of chunk bits here and there and then it just starts to slow down. Hardman, like, they tried this kind of end around type thing and he goes out of bounds, losing six yards. Yeah. Uh, like, then they try short pass game to get back into it and stuff. They've run it below the two minute warning, but they're too far. Out of bounds. They nearly had a beautiful special teams punt where they, they think it was Pringle made it all the way down and just caught it as it went into the end zone, but couldn't push it back out. Yeah. Uh, so it was a touchback. And then the most bizarre thing I think of the entire game happens at this point. Yeah. There's a minute left on the clock. It's at the 20. So 75 yards to go and they run the ball for three yards and then. They wait the 30 seconds, they run it off the clock, and then they run it for two yards again. Mm. And then, and like, I, I was, I was saying at the TV, you, you, you saw the owner of the 49ers in the box shouting down, showing timeout, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Do you have absolutely no trust in your offense? And then you get to this point, and I was saying, well, surely we're going to call out a timeout here at this point. It's what, third down and seven to go or something. Uh, so then the Chiefs take a timeout, but, uh, there's just nothing really comes of it. There's a, there's a short pass up the middle and then there is, and this is probably the biggest controversial play of the, of the first half, the, uh, deep pass to, to Kittle that would have gone for 42 yards. It was called back for, uh, offensive pass interference. So, all right. Outside of the fact that I have no idea what the hell was going through Shanahan's mind here, that he didn't just try and take a pop at this, hey, at hey, least his, once. his
0: own GM didn't know because like John Lynch was in the box going like furiously, screaming yeah, timeouts. and it was like I don't know what was going on in Shanahan's mind. Like let's just say like I suppose if you want to think in terms of uh, karma or whatever like that, like yeah, if you if you fuck it up this much and then you get screwed by OPI, like, you know, certainly it's your own fault. Like, you could have had, you could have made up for it. Like, that 20-yard gain on third down uh, could have meant something if you hadn't have blown the clock and then, yes, yeah, you, you lose an unlucky place. But yeah, no, the OPI, look, like, I think there's a certain argument that goes around, it's a Super Bowl. We want to see these guys compete. It's going to be a bit Tetchier. There's going to be some stuff that maybe gets to let it go. And then you see this, which is, uh, I suppose, even in a regular season game, you go, that's a soft OPI. Like, I suppose he does push off. His arm is extended. It does hit the other player. It does affect their trajectory. And therefore, by the rules of the game, that is OPI. But I suppose uh, two things. Yeah, it's the Super Bowl. It, it wasn't really like him like fighting and a bit of hand fighting is pretty much happening all, all, all together and secondly like the incentives that I see happen with that is that you know like if the defender is touched in any situation where the arm is in any way extended um, it's going to lead to these defenders kind of like hobbling or kind of doing stuff to kind of play act a little bit and you know when we consider some of the other very similar looking plays that have happened in the playoffs this year um, mm-hmm. we're thinking of the uh, at the end of the, the Vikings game for example it does look a bit like, they called it by the rules of the game, but, you know, we, we would like these to be less arbitrary. And I suppose we've had this year of experimentation with the uh, pass interference rules. It obviously wasn't going to get overturned because it was technically correct. But, you know, I, I think there's just a wider, like a wider problem, I suppose, that the idea of pass interference, where we want these guys to compete, we want them to kind of do a bit of fighting, um, but where any given wrong perceived thing will get punished so severely kind of it's a very hard balance to strike but look like like I don't blame the refs for doing it and I I don't blame the San Francisco fans for being angry at it it's just one of those situations where like look the the truth and reality just mean that it happened and it was what it was Uh, and it's just there's no way to kind of there's no way to say anyone was really in the wrong in this case
1: yeah like it it happened it's it's, it's one of those ones that they'll they'll question I think it's at at most it's a three point swing. We get to we get to the second half after oh actually sorry, we forgot the most important part. The halftime show. What did you think?
0: <laughs> uh, it was very uh, very risque, uh, very uh, like some political statements are in Puerto Rico and the Latino community. Uh, and that was, that was good, but yeah, it was, like, basically, I haven't seen that much crotch in a Super Bowl halftime show since Bruce Springsteen, like, and they, they were, I did did
1: like, actually, they, they did emulate the Bruce Springsteen moment before the, uh, they did that intentionally, I think, the slide scene before they did the costume change,
0: like, that (laughs) was an homage, which is good. uh, I thought Shakira was probably a little bit better, but uh, I think, Mm -hmm. I think they did a good show, lots of fun kind of choreography. Mm -hmm. They're both very talented. Like, Shakira seems to know a lot of instruments. And the tongue-out moment uh, is apparently a thing uh, which I don't understand. and I'm not going to pretend to understand. But, like... Um, overall very exciting. I would say that both of them probably could have done with perhaps not chopping and changing it so much, particularly Shakira. This,
1: this uh, exactly. I thought it was good. I thought it was designed well. But Jesus, like finish a fucking song. Like yeah. I don't need twenty five seconds of a song. I need ninety seconds of a song at least. Come on, like.
0: and the JLo thing, like like she's looking well for fifty, but like maybe she doesn't need to be, you know, going as much into it and like and my biggest problem with her, like, well, actually, it wasn't really a problem. Was just like, it was just a litany of like, it was so nineties. Her set, it was so like, oh yeah, nineties club tune. Here we go, and it's like coming. It's like coming from a different time and planet. Because like, you know, some of these artists obviously have songs from very long, long ago, but they they <laughs> feel evergreen. Whereas these just felt like a, like her older itinerary just sounded so like late nineties, early two thousands. It had just mm. that. It just like dripped from it, and it was, uh, but like fair play to her. She put on a good show, and like obviously, both of them were lip syncing quite obviously, but it was, it was an exciting show. A lot of crotch, a lot of risque thing. Um, I don't know if the parents in America were, like will be pretty happy with the situation, but
1: uh, we were fine with shirtless fucking maroon five yeah. prick last year, uh, so.
0: but he that that's candy for them, you know, like that that's yeah. like their that's their thing. I've seen a lot of but, like, that online about the. Uh, <laughs> So I thought it was like a solid B tier one. It didn't have the kind of ridiculousness of Katy Perry or kind of the the pure, like the kind of down-to-earth talent of like Bruce Springsteen, but it was, or, or I like, guess it was the, the kind of, uh, something like Michael Jackson back in the day, but like it was just a solid show. Can't complain. And certainly better than the likes of The Who or the Black Eyed Peas or Adam Levine last year. Just a good, yeah. solid show, some fun choreography, mm-hmm. some good tunes. Um Maybe just you have some good tunes, just give them a bit of time to breathe.
1: San Francisco received the ball. Some say that this might have been something that played into their conservatism at the end, of the end of the second quarter, that they knew they were receiving the ball afterwards. But to me, that just means that you've got more rope because even if you hurl a deep pass that's intercepted or something, you know, you're, you're getting a shot back and they're leaving them with 10 seconds to do something. But they matriculate down the field, nine plays, 50 yards, five and a half minutes, just sucking clock. This is exactly what we'd expect them to do, but expect them to do it with a slightly larger, lead rather than a tie so they get down to the end the Kansas City defense claps down the red zone again and they have to settle for the field goal it,
0: it was mostly similar to what they'd done before but I do think like some of the zones that they were being cleared out are like because of the first half going wide runs the sweep runs and the other design wide runs uh were also being exploited early on. So you kind of those holes were recreated because the defense was reacting to what had happened earlier. And then there was holes for like Kyle Jushek coming out of the backfield or for Debo Samuel in the passing game up the seam. And I think like I think at this point, like given what we'd seen late on, uh, and what given what we've seen like in this first half, to see this kind of happen the first half, you kept into a field goal once again, very, very important. But like once again you're kind of seeing this offense get going and you're wondering Like, if they get far, if they do get far ahead, which, which did transpire, you might have been a little bit concerned at this point that, that they could have actually ground this out, ground the clock out in the end and and keep the Chiefs off the field. Um, Now, didn't end up happening that way, but at this point, it kind of looked like that. Oh, yeah. that That offense was humming.
1: Yeah, no, it was looking like it wasn't going to be stopped any time. So we thought, okay, we're coming out. We've made our adjustments. Chiefs are now going to come out and show us what they figured out. So they start off pretty well. It seems that almost every single one of these drives starts with a pass to Sammy Watkins, who's being covered by Richard Sermon for about <laughs> 25 yards, like literally all of them. And uh, then they hit Kelsey for four. They go Williams back to Watkins, like as you can see here at this point, the type of bracket coverage that they're putting on Hill is keeping him out of it. Yes, they're getting a, an occasional big play with Watkins, but Watkins's big plays for the most part are coming yards after the catch. Like he's not, he's not twenty yards downfield. Hill is down there, and he's being well covered by the safeties. So then,
0: yeah, and throughout all of this, like basically, it's it's been a, it's an undercurrent throughout this game. You know, we've said it before. Mahomes has been running. He's been chased. He's making. He's having to make stuff on his own. And throwing the, he's having to throw the ball away a lot, and then of course we get down to to second and five at the forty six, and he gets mm. sacked, fumbled, yeah, he recovered, it. There, yeah. he, you, and like like, uh, like Bozo was amazing in this game, but I will note at other points he, he maybe maybe been overly aggressive. If he'd been a bit more disciplined, he could have got even more production. Mm. And of course that was the preview to what was going to happen on the final play of this uh, of this drive.
1: Yeah, so this is when uh, we have Tyreek Hill running a dig right across the front. And uh, so Mahomes throws the ball to him. Uh, Finally, he hadn't targeted him at all on this this, uh, entire drive. The ball was a bit behind Hill. You'd like him to do a better job of either catching it or batting it down rather than because he kind of reached back and lifted it up, which allowed it to kind of pop into the air. But because it's behind him, the ball goes up into the air and uh, Fred Warner catches it at the San Francisco 42 interception, returns it for three yards. And uh, all of a sudden, the hole starts to look an awful lot deeper for the Chiefs here. <laughs> like, you suddenly go, oh, yeah, you know that offense that's moved really well the last two or three drives against you? Yeah, so they're going to do that pretty much immediately yeah. again.
0: And I think it is worth noting that, like, this interception was a classic zone defense interception. It's the linebacker moving underneath, um, to where the quarterback sees their receiver and just picking it off easily. And I know Mahomes was under pressure in this, but obviously we have, we have an expectation or, or like basically what we know indicates that Mahomes is really, really good against zone defense. So it's a credit to, to, to San Francisco that their zone defense and their defense was so talented that. They actually managed to get that kind of classic zone. This is the kind of thing we expect from Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins, not from Pat Mahomes. Yeah. It was a testament to how much pressure they were putting him under. And like
1: you see, like you can see the pressure in his face coming into him as he throws, like he releases probably not ready. I think he probably wanted to throw him further across the, further across the dig so that he'd be able to, with his speed, maybe get another yard of separation from the linebackers trying to track him because there was space out in front of him, but uh, it ended up throwing behind him and that caused it. So, we see a similar kind of setup. Garoppolo goes to the air to start this time. Debo Samuel picks up 16. They try a couple of runs, two deep pass for nothing. And then we see this kind of short middle start to open up because they're covering out wide because they're getting tracked back deep for Debo to stop him going deep. You suddenly see like Kendall Bourne getting 26 yards underneath and then uh, Kyle Juszczyk for uh, 10 yards. And yeah, just... Yeah, it was a lovely, lovely design on that touchdown. I thought it was great, but really fun to get him involved. They found a nice little spot there when they separated everyone out wide. Just very, very good play calling from Kyle Shanahan. Good execution from Garoppolo. Yeah, I, yeah, genuinely, yeah. I was, I was starting to go fuck, fuck, fuck.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it was just a it was just a solid set of plays, and like there, yeah, they were starting to get these explosive plays. Like the play action was starting to get at the Chiefs as well. So you know, first you get the sweeps and stuff to get them on their back heel. Then you open. Then you start exploding those shallow zones opened up by the defense trying to play into those and trying to backtrack early. And then the entire defense is on its back foot, and suddenly that play action is getting these big chunk plays that weren't really happening as often early on. So. Like, right now, it feels like the, the San Francisco 49ers not only um, is evolving, but it's getting faster, it's getting better, and the Chiefs are going to be on the back foot. So then the Chiefs come out, you know, like this is at the end of the third quarter, and they're kind of reverting more or less to what they were doing previously, like Dink and Duck, Mahomes under pressure, having to kind of make something from the Um yeah. Tire kill kind of mostly kept out of the game. Um, you can you know. even see at this
1: point, like, they migrate to entirely well for the nearly entirely shotgun formation they're kind of going right we need to take that extra half a second that we can maybe get from that because the line's not being able to hold up against his So we are gonna have to change the way that we that we time our routes and everything because they do use a lot of shotgun but they like to kind of do some from under center to disguise stuff particularly with some of the sweep plays in that and then yeah this just kind of changed up how they had to approach attacking the defense.
0: Yeah, and like so, basically coming up to like I suppose another pivotal play here was a sack from DeForest Buckner, and like once again, it just kind of felt like like Mahomes in this case didn't really have any chance really at all to get out of that sack. It was just one of those cases where oh damn it, he's in my face, crap, Uh, and he's he's going down, and like you know Mahomes can only do so much. Sometimes the play just doesn't go your way, and then. Of course, you're you're in a long uh, situation there. You're trying to claw yourself back into the get into this drive, which obviously is incredibly important at this point because you're in the red. Well, not you're just outside the red zone at this point, and so you're you know you need to get points in this drive. And instead, you're going backwards. You're trying to get back into it. Um, like you, Mahomes scrambles to get some of it back, but then you know he's under pressure once again. He throws a Tyree Kill in a fairly short uh route. Uh, and then it just is slightly behind Tyreek Hill it tips off his hands and then uh, a really nice um interception from the San Francisco like on, on the tip drill kind of not the tip drill but like the off off reaction basically of instinct at that point point. and you know uh like it, it wasn't a situation like you know Mahomes was still making the right decision he was still seeing the field but everything was being hurried up and everyone felt a little bit more nervous and it's just those small Small amount of imprecision means behind hill, it goes off his hands instead of into his hands, and then an interception happens in a point at which you were already looking, hoping to get a field goal, and suddenly that 10 point gap, you're now at the, you know, 12 minute mark, looks very, very significant, especially because you wouldn't get the ball back to like three minutes later, about eight minutes mm-hmm. left. So, it, it, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes' fault, and I think he, he was, he did look a bit annoyed, to be honest, but I think we'll talk about how Jimmy G reacted to be behind and every but I think Patrick Mahomes, he did look annoyed, but as much with himself as anything else, he's just mm. like, I need to be better. If I live up to my expectations then I know that we can win this, and that would end up being obviously true. So I think, you know, I think we saw here, even in his lowest moment, even when he's got two interceptions, and he's got such ridiculously low interception numbers that he didn't put his head down. He didn't get angry, start shouting at his own players. He was, like, focusing on himself. He was angry, obviously angry, but he was obviously, he was also focused. He was like, I'm going to mm. win this game. He didn't turn on himself. And Andy Reid obviously helped in the sideline as well. You saw here the makings of of, of a legend. Of someone oh, yes. Yeah. And this is any problem.
1: This is also the moment that San Francisco lost this game because the San Francisco defense picked up this interception, having clearly not watched a single one of the Chiefs' games this postseason, and said, There we are, boys, we have a 10-point lead. Let's all go and do a group celebration in the end zone for an interception when there's still 12 minutes left in this game. <laughs> And they cursed themselves from that point onwards. (laughs) So they come out on offense and it doesn't, it goes okay initially, maybe, But you can see that the Chiefs' defense have adjusted to, like you said, they changed up how they were attacking them in the second half. And they went, do you know what? This is closer to what we'd schemed for. This is what Spags have been expecting more of. So they start to pin their ears back and they start to get a feel for where where it's coming from. Mozart for six yards is a good job. Garoppolo gets Kittle for 12 yards, right? And then from this point, it starts to really shut down. So Mozart gets one yard and a combo stop between a safety and Chris Jones, which says they know where they're sending their guys and sending their pressure. Garoppolo, incomplete up the middle because there's pressure in his face. Penalty on San Francisco brings them back further. Jimmy Garoppolo scrambles, and he makes three yards, even though they're third and 14 at that point. And then they just have to punt it away. And yeah, that's like, this starts to become the story of how the Kansas City defense start to bring this game back into it. They know a little bit more of what they're going to be dealing with. They start to send additional pressure. I think it was in this section of, of of plays now that they start to blitz a lot. They start to send five guys because Jimmy gets really worried under pressure. And one or two of the speed rushes they send, can one of them can go backside protect against a running back coming out of the end. And it is, all of a sudden, a much more simple task because... They're putting the ball in in Garoppolo's hands, and Garoppolo doesn't like the pressure. And that's what we start to see. We'll see in the next two drives as well. This results in a punt, and the Casey get it back at their uh, 20 yard line, and they have to start a big uphill battle down by 10.
0: Yeah, and and they they start well. They're chugging along. They get a couple of chunk plays uh, by scrambling and a few uh, nice passes. So they get up to, you know, uh, around the uh, 35 um and then they're on 35 sorry and like then there's there's a there's an incomplete passing uh ruling like that that reverses a a pass to tyree kill and this is on second and 15 so you're thinking like you're you know you're the chief fan your hope like the time is not on your side you need to do this quick you have a second and 15 that's now gone from being a completion and like it was an incompletion it did hit the ground yeah it was off the ground it was yeah and you're kind of like you're a third and fifteen. You're you're worried. Like you're like okay, maybe we just get a small play here, make it a manageable fourth down. And instead, what do they do? They <laughs> they pull out a a a, a play that apparently they've, they they have used previously in, in previous. I think it was in New England last year, or some other situation. But like basically, they put Patrick Mahomes into the pocket. Tyreek Hill runs at the I believe the slot corner. Um, who is just like running on his heels, like, he's scared shitless of Tyree Kill coming right at him, and then, mm-hmm. right, he just, like, Tyree right Kill goes, breaks out of his cut in a kind of, de- like uh, almost like a diagonal, kind of triangle type of thing. Mm-hmm. And the defender's just in no man's land, and the deep defender is, is completely removed at this point. And all the while, Patrick Mahomes is staying in the pocket. He's under immediate pressure, which he's in you know, all game. But before Tyreek has even got out of his break, he throws it up because he mm-hmm. trusts Tyreek Hill is going to be there. He trusts the scheme. He trusts Andy Reid. Really he trusts that this play has worked before, and they get a 44-yard completion. Now, at this point, this is the point, Like I suppose, as a 49ers fan, uh, and certainly as a Kyle Shanahan follower, if you're somebody, <laughs> a, a Kyle Shanahan fan, if that's what you're into, suddenly you're like third and 15, you know, this defense gets pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and it turns into this huge play for the Chiefs, and everyone, you know, uh, just due to the history of these like, these teams, and just due to what we saw here, and just because we know mm-hmm. about the Chiefs, what they've done in every other playoff game this year, you know, the wheels turn, and everyone's going... Alright, this game's not quite over yet. They might have yeah. a 10 point lead. They may need to get the ball back, but, uh, I think we've got something here. And then, yeah. uh, this you is know. like, like
1: that is, that is the defining play of the, of, of the start of the callback for me. So you've got it. Well, Holmes is gone nine. So he starts in shotgun and then he drops an additional nine and a half yards back, just stepping backwards to buy time from the rush because the line isn't able to hold the rush back. So he starts launching it from 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. So this is a 60 yard pickup really from where the ball starts. Um, there's a very good piece of, I'll send it on to you afterwards about like how they drew up that play and how it was actually, it was a twist on, a play that they had used twice in the game earlier with a different route combination underneath. So the third receiver on the outside, it's like a four verts concept is meant to. So I think Kelsey and Hill are meant to run posts inside, right? And Watkins on the outside is meant to run a kind of a dagger route across the face of it. So they pull everyone back, freeze up the space at around uh, 20 yards deep. But as you said, Hill cuts in for the post waits until the hips of the defender are turned and then he cuts into a post corner instead and just has no one there to, to, to stay with him and it was yeah it was just beautiful 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 to watch and I literally jumped up and started shouting and then at the stop because I realized it was like what half four or five o'clock in the morning where I was and uh, <laughs> you know there were neighbors nearby uh, so, but so you're
0: saying there's a chance Connor, oh way. yeah
1: well this is the thing I like at, at the point the defense stopped them I had already gone this is this isn't over yet, but we need to get moving quickly. Uh, and then they continue, they continue yeah. to keep
0: moving at this point. So yeah. then DPI that 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 is a DPI. Like there's no mm. there's no thing. Kelsey, I think he didn't have the the most uh, the most uh, outlandish game by far in this game. Like he was a bit, uh, I suppose, low low tee for himself. Like he only ended up like with like 43 yards and a touchdown. But like he, he got that DPI, got the goal moving on third and ten. And then on the one yard line, it was it's it, it, it's obviously it's not going to be the thing that people remember, but it, I thought it was actually quite an impressive play because like oh, yeah, yeah. rolls out of the pocket, he's basically moving laterally, and then he just fires the ball at Kelsey completely accurately. So Kelsey just basically can't drop the ball because it's so it's basically lodged into his hands. And you know, like it isn't the it's not the one play people remember. Like the pirouette one is obviously more. Interesting and memorable, but it was, I think, a show of what the kind of things that Patrick Mahomes makes look so easy that other quarterbacks would, would, would basically struggle significantly oh, yeah. to
1: make look like that. So now in the, in the stadium, you've got the chops going hard. It's, it's starting to, starting to heat up a little bit. They punt off and it's a, it's a decent enough return. So they get to the San Fran 20 on the return as, as an aside. Butker had a hell of a day. He was dropping every kickoff at the one. He wasn't allowing a touchback. He was yeah. just saying, we are going <laughs> to fucking fight you on everything. This is, this was a beautiful little passage from the, from the Chiefs defense. So Moser comes off the left tackle for five yards. Natty's there to swallow him up. They break up. Chris Jones breaks up the, the pass to Kittle. Doesn't allow anything. He gets his hands up in. This is the first, I think, of three in the season, in this and the next series that he has. And then, uh, Ben Neiman breaks up, uh, a, a, an incomplete pass to, to, to Bourne on the right hand side. And all of a sudden having used, and this is what I mean when we say like, what? is the play calling decision here at this point. There's six minutes to go on your opening move. You do a shotgun run for five yards. Excellent. Then (laughs) having run 30 seconds of clock, you then go incomplete pass over the middle, getting batted down incomplete pass short, right. That wasn't even going to make it getting knocked down. And you have to punt having taken a minute off the clock uh, now down to a three point lead, and you've got uh, they didn't do much in the return game in this game, but you're you're kicking off to like Miko Hardman, who's a like a Pro Bowl returner and stuff like that. Like this is this is very much a spot where you're wondering this could be even if it was just these four plays, this could be. Two minutes taken off the clock. Plus, you're getting production in the run game. This could be a couple of first downs. This could be very different, particularly with the pressure that was now being brought by the Chiefs defense. Why they pushed away from the run. And we'll see that, like, it makes a bit more sense when they're chasing, but like, I don't understand that. So Chiefs get the ball back and they start to progress. So they start trying to, try to get to, uh, to Hill a little bit more now. They're trying to use his speed. So they have him. On I think two three different catches on this or three different targets. The big play in this one came quite simply on the. This is what you get when you put a sorry ass receiver like Sammy Watkins on Richard Sherman. <laughs> Richard <laughs> Sherman, after doing an awful lot of talking, the port, the port, like to fair, it's not his fault. They had been run fucking ragged. Like I said, the reason we didn't see big plays early on in this game is because they had been doing an excellent job of taking away the. Deep receivers, the speed routes, the stretch routes. They were doing a fantastic job of that. But the problem is you can't keep up with that speed forever. And in this spot, we just had Sammy Watkins gets one step on the inside on, on, on Richard Sherman. And he manages to go for what? 38, 40 yards on a yeah, single a play. And all of a sudden, like we said, you've gone from, you've gone from six minutes to go and you have control of the ball or whatever to all of a sudden there being, what, four minutes to go and the Chiefs are 10 yards away from your end zone. And it's just a very different look, you know?
0: And in the red zone, like they did, like the, 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 the 49ers after that, like that's a huge backbreaker, you know, like you can feel like it's the sapping of their morale like they they, like they've obviously guaranteed almost guaranteed that field goal's going to happen and it's going to be a tie game soon uh, and now they've got to do a red zone stand and you know like Pat Mahomes does some kind of stuff It doesn't really work out like he makes like a net of five yards and then Damien Williams kind of as I said underrated in this game manages to just sneak it over the line like uh, <laughs> maybe some controversy over why the uh, sideline cam wasn't at a straight angle uh, but I think <laughs> I think based on the angles, I'm happy enough to say it was probably like yeah. the tip of the ball was probably in somewhat contact of the hypothetical white line. If it, if it was like a <laughs> beam of light from the white line, it probably just enough touched it um, for it to be a touchdown in this case. And so, you know, at this point you're now the 49ers, they, they came into the fourth quarter with a, a nice 10 point lead. Now they're four points behind. The pressure is on. Let's see what Jimmy G and the gang can do.
1: Yeah. And they, they come out pretty decently. They get a 15 yard return. They go with Roser, with, uh, Moser for 17 yards. Very nice. Then. You can start to see the crowd. because I, I don't know how it was, but the crowd seemed to be a lot more Chiefs fans than there were 49ers fans, or at least noise wise, there was a lot more chanting yeah. on at that point.
0: <laughs> 50 years of practice finally come home to us. It. It's true,
1: yeah. So we start to see some penalties. So Emmanuel Sanders gets flagged for a false starts. So all of a sudden, it's first and 15. They pick up eight yards there, like short pass left. They get a bit of space, they get a fresh set of downs. So what do they do with this fresh set of downs? They're at the, they're at the halfway line essentially. I think they're at the 49. They go incomplete pass. Again, batted down by Chris Jones. Fucking cracking job. Another incomplete pass because I think there was Kendall Fuller and Chris Jones coming out the middle and creaming Garoppolo as he was trying to release the ball on that one. And then finally, another pass, this time from the shotgun. And you can tell that this one is like, that they were winding up. This was a deep shot to Emmanuel Sanders, if I remember correctly. But you can tell that they were winding up a deep shot because it's Terrell Suggs that got to it. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the fastest. But they look at it and they say, okay, we've got a minute and 25 to go. And again, like, how they just didn't even, because they have all their timeouts at this point, how they didn't use a little bit of, you know, run game to try and keep yeah. the defense honest is beyond me, but they have to go for it on fourth and 10. And what happens? They don't even run a quick enough, like kind of mesh route that they can just go for the first down and like take a timeout or spike it, or even just run a play. There's still a minute and a half in the fucking game. They have him sit away back. Frank Clark comes bursting through, gets his hands on him sack for nine yards. And it's a turnover on downs. Yeah. How do you set a fucking pass play? What? One, two? Three four times in a row, with one of them being a completion.
0: Well, like, look, look, give credit to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, Chris Jones' hands were everywhere, as far as I can tell. Like, he was having the, <laughs> that. Uh, is, that is a statement that needs yeah. to be caught at use from the start of this podcast. <laughs> look, Jimmy, Jimmy Grablo for one final time this season, he's a very uh hygienic looking man. <laughs> but... Like, like Chris Jones was getting his hands in those, in those gaps that, that, that basically was making it troublesome. I think Jimmy G might have been seeing like, uh, hand ghosts, like Adam's family type of shit going on here. And yeah, like, like, and then once the pressure ramped up as we get to second down and third down and then finally fourth down, Jimmy G is slowly just getting more and more under pressure. Like when he came into this drive, he looked frightened. He didn't look. Mm like he was ready for this moment he didn't look like Tom Brady where it's just like complete determination or Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes in this game he just didn't have the look of a man who knew exactly what he was going to do who had a full grasp of what he needed to do to get this done he looked like a man who was following orders and wasn't very confident based on the last quarter or so of play, that, that the orders were going to work
1: of him that was doing the rounds from I think it was this section of four passes where this is like Jimmy how are you going to compete a pass if you can't see where it's going? And he has his eyes closed before the ball is being released because he knows he's about to get hit on it. And it's just that kind of like, that kind of just not maybe the, not the edge you need for a kind of a, a final push like that on such a big event, you know? But yeah, look it up. It's a, it's, it's something else to behold. So yeah, he's, he's, he's sacked, brought down. It's a turnover on down. So the Chiefs with whatever about, a minute and a half left to go, just need to run the clock, maybe get a little bit more uh, breathing room in the score. So they run Damian Williams up the middle for four yards because Kyle Shanahan, that's what you're meant to do when you have a lead. You run down the fucking clock. Or alternatively, you let San Francisco take their timeout and then you let Damian Williams rush 38 yards off the left-hand side for a touchdown that no one was expecting.
0: Yeah, like, it was, it was nice. It was a nice, easy way to, to end the game. Like, I'm sure you were a little bit nervous at this point. You were just kind of like, alright, let's just shut it down, get it done. And like, Damien Williams, as I said, he, he had a really solid game getting a lot of those third down conversions when a matter getting that touchdown on third down in the last in the last touchdown he was just a very important player maybe there's an argument he made that he was the actual mvp but i think i do think mahomes was making like lemonade from lemons in a lot of this game but like yeah so damian williams just decides to to take a big uh 38 yard uh so to take a big dump on san francisco's hopes and dreams and uh yeah, the game at that point was, was basically over on a forty-yard dash, and it was a nice way to end the game. And just you could finally get, gives them a touchback at that point. Yeah, and you can have a you can have a nice you can sit back and relax and see what uh, Jimmy G can do with his finally like last gasp like minute long drive, and it's like it's, it's pretty much over, and it, it ends with yeah, yeah interception, not too surprising, and then you kneel at the game, and uh, you're one very very happy Chiefs fan.
1: Yeah, no, I am indeed. Uh, it was it was a very interesting game. You could see kind of. You can see the strengths we talked about going into it, but you could also then see, like we talked about as well, like changes that the 49ers made going into the second half to then exploit what they had set up in the first half. But then once they thought they had, and this is the thing, like maybe it was that once they were up the 10 points and they had the interception, they weren't expecting to come on that quickly, but also they kind of thought, well, this is done. Like, we don't need to be planning for as much as we would otherwise. And that they, cause you saw like the, the intensity that Kyle Shannon was drawing up stuff when the Chiefs were about to get, take the lead for the first time in the, in the fourth quarter. And like, it looked genuinely like a, we were not prepared for this to be happening right now. This is what we're going to, because this kind of like, like I said, this, this, this reaction to like the let's go pass heavy when that's literally what the defense of the Chiefs has been asking you to do all game because they can't stop the run properly. And look, this is the one thing I did want to say as a caveat. In the second half, they ran okay. They didn't run excellently. The numbers a lot, I think they were probably closer to about like 2.8 to 3.1 run, which isn't phenomenal. But you need to still keep that there to keep the defense honest. Otherwise, you're going to get your Chris Joneses all up in your face and stuff. And that's that's why Jimmy G wasn't able to do it because there was no respect for what the alternatives were going to be. So they were just sending the house at him. Like I said, they started blitzing. I think he was like blitzed by a minimum of five rushers on 12 of his last 18 attempts or something like that. So like they were... They were just dedicating to it because Sam Fran didn't want to move away from it. And that's very confusing to me.
0: It's hard not to ignore the past and this. It's hard not to ignore the narrative. I don't think it's that that important. Like, I think to a certain extent, maybe he wanted to prove, you know, that that he could get it done, that he didn't want to go conservative. Maybe he was like so afraid of going conservative that he's like, I have to start going passing early. And then once he got that train going, Mm -hmm. um, he he kind of felt pressure to keep going that way. Um, But I do think like, you know, like obviously the Chiefs defense, like Spags and and the coaching staff had decided that the weakness of the San Francisco offense is Jimmy G, that if you put him under pressure, he makes mistakes, he throws interceptions, he makes those big plays that the Spags defense feeds off, the sacks, the turnovers, the interceptions, that's what he they needed to do. And when you look at the kind of innovative run game they were able to put together in the first quarter uh, and the first half, um, and then kind of how it slowed down in the second quarter, even though they like, like the, the the success they had in the past game was kind of generated by how good it, like air in the third quarter was coming from what they'd done in the first half. Maybe there's an argument made that, you know, if you had a, like I'm sure I'm, I'm assuming they didn't use up all their great run scheming in the first half, perhaps they could have brought a bit more back back in earlier um and perhaps definitely in the fourth quarter because you know that one that one like run that they did try within this key set of downs for them when they went behind was a really big run to Raheem Mostert um Mm -hmm. so and they had three they had three timeouts they had control of the situation in the two minute uh in the two minute warning um and it just felt like you know they, they decided to trust their franchise quarterback they are paying him a lot of money and at the end of the day, he didn't come up with the goods, and and like no. I think as a as a 49ers fan, you have this great team, albeit some players maybe are a bit overpaid. You know, once again, similar to the way that the the Titans lost to the Chiefs. When you look at the other side, you see Pat Mahomes and a pretty good team, but around them, put against a perhaps a more solid team or over the over the entire roster. Sometimes that one player can make the difference, and I think when we pick, when I picked the Chiefs. And I know, like, know you're always going to pick the Chiefs, but I think the reason you probably pick the Chiefs competently is that Patrick Mahomes is the type of special player right now who is able to elevate an entire roster around him. And like, look, when he gets his super-duper magic contract that it takes all the money, maybe the talent will go down everywhere else that he ends up not being able to carry it all the way as easily. But right now, with the talent they put around, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, a pretty good offensive line, Sammy Watkins is kind of a solid complementary receiver getting his couple of big plays. Um, and the defense putting together some solid performances when you bring in Frank Clark, you bring in Honey Badger, like neither of them had their best game today, but they've made really good contributions over the course of the season. And then Chris Jones continues to be a superstar for you. Um, after coming back from injury here, uh, like that's going to be hard to keep together all those great players going forward. Um, but right now Patrick Mahomes added to that. It's just elevating that from like, you know, good playoff roster to being a superstar, Super Bowl winning roster that could certainly mm-hmm. keep winning uh you know for many years to come here's hoping <laughs> only, only 50 years hopefully not 50 more only like yeah uh, <laughs> it'll be
1: pat's son or something that does yeah. it for us next
0: <laughs> well, like, look, but no, uh, finally your your prediction of KC winning the super bowl comes true and uh, like mm. i uh, obviously i know you didn't get to enjoy it over here uh with like people that you've, you've been following football with uh for very many very many years but uh You got to enjoy it in another unique locale, unique situation, and you know it's going to taste sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm sure when you get back, back, we'll make sure to we can rewatch it maybe with you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we'll just we'll just just go out for for
1: drinks and rewatch it. It'll be great. (laughs) But no, no, it was great and like great performances. Great to see Andy Reid finally get the rig yeah to yeah, mean for like i would have argued that he was he was hall of fame beforehand but he's definitely yeah. getting the, there the, now the time he, um he didn't, he
0: didn't go he didn't go home with the trophy he went home with his trophy wife yeah that was uh, <laughs> no, no, that was
1: <laughs> which is interesting because like because what he said after it was that he was going to go and he was going to get a a, a a cheeseburger with extra cheese actually maybe a double burger and i said <laughs> i wonder is like is does he think of the burger as his wife rather than his wife now, or something like? It's very. He,
0: he was so happy afterwards, like he just like he is like, uh, his, like I don't know, if hysterical with the word, but he just like he's laughing his head off and mm-hmm. uh, and like he was joking about his, his heart going too fast, can't allow it to go down, and then <laughs> and the joke, everyone starts to sweat a little bit yeah. going right? And he was going rhubarb red as well, and then of course mm-hmm. you know, the next day, you know, imp- the implication of uh, some uh, uh, you know marriage. Making uh, as it were, he uh, got, got some. Yeah. He got some. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Pat Mahomes. Big red he, fox. Pat Mahomes is a great guy. Uh, by all accounts, it seems like so. uh You know, the Chiefs—they're they're an easy team to like, despite the ha- like the handful of players I suppose who controversial pass. And mm. I think Big Red and Pat Mahomes make them an easy uh champion to like. And uh, look, Shanahan yeah. has put together a good roster. I think he's a really, really good coach. So I don't think the Forty will fade away, but. Uh, yeah. we know how hard it is to make the Super Bowl, so we'll see if they can find oh, yeah. out again in the NFC.
1: No, and it, like I said two good teams. I'd say expect them both to be kind of back in the playoffs and, 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 and fighting away next year as well. Both who are going to have very difficult divisions. Uh, if everything stays together, like presumably, I'd, I'd, i probably say like the Safran, the, the NFC West might be the most difficult decision, division next season. To be honest, but uh, we're we're a couple of months away from doing any kind of predictions. So uh, as always, I suppose that'll wrap <laughs> us up for now. Unless there's anything else you want to throw in, or are we?
0: No, no, no. Uh, except for the was it the the land of the chiefs, <laughs> oh, <laughs> home of the chiefs.
1: Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh yeah, uh, uh, oh my god the amount of like the amount of poorly written long forms about the <laughs> Tom Hally- um yeah cool guys but yeah so i suppose uh as always hit us up on facebook twitter etc and uh we'll be back questions,
0: with the, probably the free agency previews yeah, will be back.
1: drafty kind of stuff will be the next stop so uh we'll be gone for a couple of weeks but we'll you know we'll we'll Okay, so uh, for for now, that's bye from me, bye from Fitz. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week. No, wait, actually. Later.